Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Dental Implant Podcast, Titani Nerds. I have an absolutely amazing guest today for you. And this is one of those things where I said I'd increase uh, the number of podcasts that I was doing, that I've got some guests coming on uh, on board. And I know that the podcast has still been a little bit sporadic. I do apologize about that, but I now have the time availability to do this. I'm excited because you know, guys, that know that I love doing this. Partly it's revision for me, partly it's Titan speaking to Titan. But another part of it as well is, you know, I get to research more things and learn new things. And I'm constantly on the hunt to to increase my skills and increase my knowledge. So I'm really, really excited today to have a a friend and colleague on with us, Dr. Sharif Kuchuk. And for those of you who are on Instagram, you got to follow this guy. What he does with autogenous bone is absolutely incredible. Sharif is lead trainer at the Bone Factory. And so some of you may have heard me speak about Kuri Plate and autogenous grafting in the past. I was originally taught by Howie Gluckman and I've uh, had some amazing results uh, with Kuri Plate. Sharif, what he can't do with Kuri Plate isn't worth knowing. And you actually worked Prof Kuri's clinic as well for a number of years. So you basically done it all. So I'm going to hand over to Dr. Kuchuk now, let him introduce himself, give you a little bit of a background about himself. And then what we're going to do is I've got a number of questions for him is, is basically, you know, why autogenous? Why not? xenograft what's the benefits what's the downsides what's the difficult and he's just gonna go into that a little bit for us today Sharif, over to you please introduce yourself to the listeners hello thank you Pat, for the great invitation and of, for me the first time to be in a podcast normally in some videos zoom calls but as a new experience like you i'm learning every day so i am very happy to be with you wonderful uh, project wonderful podcast and yes, I will say with the first sentence, uh, welcome to our autogenous world, because in our autogenous world, protocols and the work with autogenous bone is something what I think many of our colleagues as dentists, oral surgeons, maxillofacial struggling with implant cases when the bone is missing. And then is to have a predictable technique. What I also was searching is a predictable technique from all what concepts what we have in the dental implant techniques was is what i could find is in autogenous bone but later we will go more deeper and um yes what i will give is a overview how i am doing every day this kind of techniques to be more safer confident because every 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 colleague know it we we hate complications we want to have wonderful results happy patients but how you can do it, maybe this podcast will give insights in our daily work to see, okay, what go, it's out of the box, what you can do. Other uh, companies and uh, techniques are, yeah, predict us something, but in the real clinical day, sometimes we cannot get the results and which frustration some colleagues have. And I also had this complicated uh, frustration with substitutes uh, with wound-to-east and different problems and how I will come I will share with you about this and you told me that you also interest in this field are also doing this kind of techniques or it's also one part of your uh, treatment plans and maybe can give also you have some something what you make a little bit deeper and understanding why 
we are not trust in substitutes and I normally we are not trust anything what comes out of the body of the patient because everything what is out from comes from out is only osteoconductive and this is then not more predictable because then we are depend from the regeneration potential of the patient this is the big big issue yeah so i think what's important to understand here is the biocompatibility that you get with autogenous bone it's unsurpassed you cannot match it and in addition to that as well uh, it's it's not just the bio the biocompatibility but Sharif, as you said as well, is a lot of other materials, they're just osteoconductive. Whereas this is, you know, alternative bone is osteoinductive as well. And mm -hmm. what that means is you can do a lot more with it. You can do crazy, crazy stuff. I've seen Harry Gluckman do insane stuff. I've seen yourself do insane stuff. I would be lying if I say that um, I can do what you, yourself and Howie can do. But the mm -hmm. cases where I've done autogenous bone, Wow, the results are just they're, just, they're just incredible. They're just incredible. I think it's an underutilized treatment modality because people are scared of harvesting and it's not the easiest of techniques. And so to make things simpler, they want things out of a packet. That's my opinion. So Sharif, can you just give us a, a little bit more about your background and tell me whether you agree with that or if, if there's anything that I've missed? The dental branch say to us, we have to do everything simple, 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 minimal invasive for our patient. Of course, our goal is the same, but it's not always possible. If you are, my case, out bone augmentation, out of the ridge, out of the contour, then you cannot do simple way. And yes, something, it's not easy, but if you do easy things, you will get easy results. So if you want to have an amazing, predictable, nature-like results, then you have to do something more as in your normal treatment or what you are at the moment are doing. This one step is the bone harvesting, local or from our first choice, retromolar. This is area. And what I see back to the whole concept, when somebody touch first time with the autogenous bone augmentation, they see the potential. In the most of the case, they want to go back to the other markets like substitutes or allograft or other things. Because natural way of reconstruction is not only to harvest a block and stabilize. It's a kind of working and modification of the block. We can go later in the steps. But one time, if you touch with autogenous bone, you will not go back in the other alternates because all the other things are alternates. Yes, they will work, but it's not predictability. You can go to the predictability because it's the main topic of this, but the vital cells which we transplanted from the donor side to the regeneration area is the game changer. And this is not in artificial bone, in not in allograph. So means we can we can increase the regeneration potential of modification of the graph material and how um, you know we are using not solid blocks because solid blocks in the past was the problem of resorption. And at studies about this, they say, yeah, you will lose 40%, 50% of the bone and that we cannot work in a dental practice. So, and Professor Curie, uh, my mentor, make a modification. He harvested the block and thought, oh, if the block too thick, the time to regeneration is too slow and five to seven days the osteoids and blast should get new revascularization. And then if you have a thick block, you will get resorptions. And this is the problem of solid blocks. Yeah, uh, it's actually something that I was going to say as well, Sharif, is this actually goes back to Albrechtson's uh, data. I think it was in the early mm -hmm. 80s 
where Albrechtson showed that the, the penetration of blood vessels into a pure mm -hmm. block was 0.05 millimeters per day, whereas into granular, like autogenous mm -hmm. shavings, it's 0.5 millimeters per day. So the angiogenesis, the revascularization happens 10 times faster in a curry plate than what it does in a block graft. And this is one of the, this is one of the absolute keys as, as to why it works. As you're saying, it's that rapid revascularization. It's that, it's that rapid regeneration. So the reason why I'm stating this is because I want listeners to understand that curry plate and block grafting, they're using autogenous bone, but they are not the same thing. And it's really, really important. And I do think uh, credence should be given to Prof Curry here because, you know, what he can do is incredible. And the way that he's developed this protocol, it just makes it a little bit more technique sensitive, I found for us, because you're not then just using a block. You've got to split the plates. You've got to uh, harvest shavings and you've got to get it all stabilized. And it's a new skill set. And as with a new skill set, it takes time to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I saw Professor Curry on the annual implant congress in Germany 2006, two years after my dentals graduated in Cologne, the Cologne University of Dentistry, I saw how you harvest from interoral side blocks, how you make it split it in two, in, in two pieces. The goal is one millimeter. And this thin block, how you are saying, is the infiltration of blood vessels from the one side and the survival rate from the other side of the osteocytes are five to seven days. It's from Alessandro Acuccello, his study says. And, and he shows in the lecture us also that the white, thick, solid block still existing after four months for implantation. And imagine you insert an implant, a death material, a titanium implant in a white block. Looks revascularized some parts, but the most of the part is white. And you, if you not know what happened with the bone, and in all clinical studies from Professor Curry shows, after four to five years, the solid block will resolve. And what did colleagues, which also work in this field, they re-overbuilding uh, with the solid blocks, overbuilding. This was also not a result. The resorption was, yeah, again. Then they put non-resorbed substitutes on top to avoid this resorption. But this way was not the right way. Amazing step of splitting of the cortical plate from the retromolar gives the possibility of re-contouring the contour. But the most part is not the contour. The most part is where is the implant inside in vital small pieces of bone chips, 100% autogenous. Why? Why is important? And, and if we know on every surface of a bone chip will be uh, gain a osteute production, means from every free surface you will gain revascularization, new osteoid building. This is a big difference to substitutes and um, allografts because this material is death. And here the game changer is come. When I understand this, I, I, I completely understand the concept, but every day I'm learning more. But if you have some vital cells starting to dying after the transplantation, most of the part of the transplantation bone chips will die in the recipient site. Means this dying produce or introduce in the local recipient site, and from the local recipient site, it's coming also a revascularization process. It will activate a revascularization process from both sides, from the bone chips, from the donor side, and this is missing. We substitute, allograft everything what comes from outside. This process of dying is missing. A very, very important part. So what gives us as dentists an implant is if you have a patient with pure regeneration potential. But the problem is we are not knowing. Or only if it's a smoker, 
if it's a diabetic patient or systematic problem, then we know it. But the rest of the group, when we say, oh, I'm doing every time the same technique, why is it not working in you? I don't know. I cannot explain me. This is the patient with low regeneration potential. And then we are directly independent from the patient, from our graph metal. So, but we cannot work so. We need something which is much more, more potential, but to do in the dental office, not with the hospital. And this process of dying of the vital cells is the game changer because it's activating local bone regeneration and revascularization and which missing with substitutes. So we are not more dependent from the patient. We are not more dependent from the grafting matter. But for this, yes, you are right. We have to make one step more. We have to harvest a block. We have to know the protocol harvesting and also splitting. But if you learn one time, my promise to you, you will not use in cases that I'm, I'm using it in, nine, in 100% only autogenous bone. Because, because you are working also with dental filling materials, implants, and you see that it's working and never change protocol or some a concept which is working. So what do you use autogenous bone when you're doing ridge preservation when you're taking a tooth from well? from the beginning yes we, we are looking from the beginning because augmentation is also a, a challenge so how we can uh, prevent this we are starting with the extraction part if we, if it's the indication there with the stock shield is one part then if we want to insert implant immediately then we can combine it with the smart dentine grinder socket preservation technique it's also a wonderful tool means Everything what you need for your implant therapy, the patient is bringing the tooth, the tissue, the bone, and we are using this. Uh, we, we are using implantation, immediate implantation, socket shield, the gap we are filling with autogenous bone, local winning, and some, if we have a bigger defect, we are using also the dentine smart grinder concept. Okay. So it means the, the, the journey is to be more independent from biomaterials. Okay. We, we have one indication path. One indication, this is the sinus lift because it's a four-wall defect. Colleagues, they know four-wall defects like a socket shield, a socket preservation is a more predictable way. And also the uh, colon then implant, the defect rich defect classification and therapy uh, recommendation classification says in the socket, you can use also biomarkers. Of course, it will be work because you have from the four-wall defect, but outside of the contour, is a hundred percent indication for autogenous matter, which has own potential for regeneration. Um, that will make sense. Another issue that, uh, or not, not an issue. Another thing that um, I want to make listeners aware of is there are still instances where you hear people talking mm -hmm. about iliac gra uh, graft, where they're going to the hip, they're going extra oral sites. And what what you need to understand about that, what listeners need to understand that it's a completely different type of bone from an embryological point of view. So in the mouth, we are talking about intramembranous bone, and from the iliac crest, it's cartilaginous. And what happens is is the argument is that you can harvest twice as much bone from the iliac crest okay but when you look at the data you can harvest twice as much bone you get twice as much resorption as well and it's a completely different type of bone that cartilaginous bone for being from a long bone being from a hip being from a load-bearing area needs a huge amount it needs body weight on it for it to have the correct uh, metabolic turnover and this is why, when you're talking about intraoral grafting, that I don't think iliac grafting is the way to do it. You can harvest from the mouth. If you're a MaxFax consultant, you can harvest from the uh, calvaria as well. You can harvest from the skull. 
I've seen people do that. It's, 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 it's incredible. But Sharif, are you in agreement with me? Do you think there's uh, there's different types of bone embryologically, histologically, and some are more compatible? Uh, absolutely. We uh, we will give. Uh, I will give an overview. First of all, we have different concepts, but in the dental dental practice, what we can implement, this is the next step. So back to the hospital, four years, I was in the Curie Clinic, we did 1,400 bone augmentation per year. All, all, and 30% of this was to treat some complication, what happened in Europe, in different countries, the patients sent to the clinic. So it means we saw many, many different defects, different complications, and different implementation. We did per year six to eight cases with hip bone. The rest was intraoral. I'm speaking from 1,300 to 1,400 cases per year in the whole of the clinic. So means cases number is less. But let's discuss, first of all, the challenge with hip bone and the benefit of the hip bone. But what is the benefits from autogenous bone? And how is the negative part of the hip bone? Because the hip bone is full of BMPs, full of high potential cells which can in, introduce bone in the receiving side. So this is also the reason why the maxillofacial surgery using it during the tumor or tumor patient. Why? The regeneration potential is poor. Chem chemical te therapy, x-ray therapy, all the bone tissue are very poor in the regeneration. So they need something which activate the regeneration. So this is the main reason why tumor patient is becoming hip. But in our dental practice, we have to look also the data and hear the Data from Spardona 2009 says after one year follow-up with augmentation with hip bone, 42% after lateral augmentation resorption with the hip bone and 60% after one year resorption after vertical bone resorption. This is the data. This is not new. And because the bone is soft. And if you feel the bone in your hand, you feel, you feel also the fat in the bone. So big con conscious air, air spaces and gaps. So, and this saw also Professor Curie in his uh, developing of the SPB technique. He saw BMPs in the hip bone is high, but in the cortical bone with, from retromolar is low. How we can mix the both power, the cortical power of the bone because it's hard, and the BMPs and the vital cells from the hip bone, so from iliac bone. This is the reason why he split the block, gives the defect a new contour, and the particular bone chips imitating the quality of the hip bone, but much more be better because you can modify it with uh -huh. the pressure in a better way. Means this is the power of the cooling because you are you have the benefits from the iliac bone, you have the benefit for the cortical bone, and mix it to something the matches to something better as both together. This is a game changer. Nice. Yeah, there's, you know what, it's across Professor Curie's information quite early on in my implant career. In fact, his textbook was one of the first that I read. And it's just incredible the way that he's developed this. Fascinating listening to yourself, Sharif, because obviously you've got a lot of experience having worked in his clinic for four years and uh, having having seen it all. But I didn't realize that that was the reason. And it, and it makes sense as well. So what I'm hearing is it's kind of like all the pieces yes. are kind of like starting to fall in together. It makes sense. And, that, you know, is when you, it's not just harvesting autogenous bone, it's inducing that trauma in a controlled way that triggers the healing cascade and that's kind of like how why we get regeneration so you're not with a block bone you have regeneration starting just at that interface but with particular autogenous bone in the way it's kind of like starting everywhere and it's kind of like percolating throughout it's such a clever way of doing it and now it makes and sense and now you will understand why we are not using membrane the puzzle comes together 
Pev, look, why everybody is saying it's right, GBR, we need a barrier. Why? From where is coming the regeneration? From the bone below. And they say one, mo- one month, one millimeter, okay? Like this are the studies. So means you have to cover with a membrane from the soft tissue to avoid infiltration because it's coming from below, right? Because it's death material. We are working with vital cells. Means it's a contraindication to make a membrane. If you see in social media, colleagues, they're doing membrane, they have not made the mindset, mind shift from the GBR concept to the autogenous concept because the brainwash is very strong from the biomaterial companies. So strong. I'm saying always you have to go yes. to learn the protocol, but this is not everything. Then something you need for your brain range, you have to make three times hot douche to be clear and reset your way because you have to go to the roots, back to the roots to understand of healing of the broken arm, broken leg. What happened? Directly influencing Prote- uh, implementation, a uh, healing process. This is the way what working. So, and the membrane is barrier barrier for our cells, which will die after five to seven days after transplantation. Means this cells needs from everywhere blood vessels. Yeah, the colleagues say what from soft tissue you touch with the particulate bones to the soft tissue to the muscle to the periods. Yes, we need it. Think about this. If you are dying. You, if you are underwater and the other people which you hate come to you, I will help you. Give me your hand. You will hold your hand to protect your life. This is the same. The muscles environment will give the blood vessels for the cells. So membrane is contraindicated. We are not using membrane. If you see somebody is using, they are not know the biological background about this concept and can get better, uh, less results. I mean, this this goes back to what I've said on a number of occasions. You need to understand what you're doing and what's going on as well. So obviously, with autogenous uh, graft, it is a new a new skill, a new technique to learn. But obviously, you've got, you're going to save on biomaterial costs very, very significantly. So, Sharif, what about? I had something in my mind. I've got. I've completely forgotten. Oh, yeah. sticking on the line of autogenous. Do you ever mix PRF with the granules? Mm-hmm. Do you ever put PRF membranes on? Because that's autogenous. So just to make it clear, the data that I've seen, PRF making sticky bone doesn't automatically improve the healing of the bone. Uh, there is some evidence to suggest mm-hmm. it really does support soft tissue healing. But with it being autogenous, what, what it does is it, it makes everything handle really nicely. And it will have supporting products in there. What are your thoughts about combining PRF? Yes, um, 10, 15 years yeah. ago, we got the first set of our colleague, Professor Chakroon, to test it in the Curie Clinic. Then I could see after one side, we did a test, right side of the augmentation part, we leave it like the original way. On the other side, we did a membrane of PRF and to see the yeah, influence in some cases. But after reopening, we saw macroscopic and later we did also a histological biopsies, no different in the healing of the bone. The soft tissues looks a little bit better, but this was not significant. But the literature say is earlier revascularization in the soft tissue. It's right. For this, it's coming also for other human treatment of burning of the derma. So means, but in our area of this uh, augmentation with soft tissue man- management, it not, has not a significant result. It's better for the mind to sleep better at the moment. So we are not using, we are only using something or protocols which is has a benefit for us and mostly together with colleagues we have to explain 
you need not more. You have everything in your hand, your skills, and the patient. Okay? You need something to stabilize, but not more. The soft tissue uh, handling is, of course, very important, but it's not coming from a better PRF or PRF treatment. We are not using the blood coagulum. The blood coagulum, if you leave the bone chips in a, in a bottle for the, some minutes during the work, is the coagulum which makes the same like the PRF to stabilize the bone chips. So this was never a problem to handle the bone, the benefit of the PRF. It means we are, we are not having a benefit with okay. PRF. Everything is already in the autogenous bone, all the growth, growth factors. And PEF, uh, I, I showed some minutes ago, explained some minutes ago, the resorption rate of uh, iliac bone and solid blocks, nearly 40 to 60% also in the first year. And some colleagues are asking, yeah, okay, wonderful, you harvest bones, you're splitting, but it's still autogenous. It's not resolved. I will give a study about 10 years after vertical augmentation. It's a study with 144 cases for 3D augmentation in the posterior maxilla with a tunnel technique, means no crystal incision. And the overage of augmentation was 72.6 millimeter, but the maximum was 13 millimeter. And the result was amazing for this kind of challenge augmentation. It's not a horizontal augmentation, it's a vertical augmentation. Was after 10 years, a study from Professor Curie, it's published period journal 2019, with 90% of the bone is stable. 92% of the bone is stable. means wow. after 10 years, you have 8% bone resorption. Let's make an example. You graph 10 millimeter. 10 years later, your patient has 8% means 0.8 millimeter bone resorption, 1 millimeter. I think everybody in this podcast will love, uh, love this result. And this is a game changer in our grafting concept. It is. It is very much. The other thing uh, that I want to speak to you about as well, Sharif, is so yes. we understand the benefits of autogenous bone. We understand that there are certain techniques to using it as well. And the other side of the coin, the other piece of the puzzle when you're talking about this type of work, and I think this is where a lot of people struggle, is soft tissue management because that's where things can go wrong. Um, there is a direct correlation between i can't remember which study this is but i know I'm this was luca this was lucas lucas i know which study you want to yeah. explain you know which one it is so there is a direct correlation between tension in the flap the amount of horizontal or vertical augmentation that you're doing and the number of complications that you have as well so this goes to show that actually attaining tension-free closure is really 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 critically important so, Sharif, could you... Uh, Tension-free uh, wound closure is well, not please. a phrase. It's the main uh, part of our success. You can build a house in the best way, with the static, everything you plan, but if you, can, if you don't close the, the top, you can lost and all the building. Means, in the study of Savola, it's our colleague from the Curie Clinic, my friend, and he, Savola, look, I learned a lot of him from him, with Jochen, my other friend here living 25, no, living two kilometers behind me at the moment, he both made a study how is the tension during the wound closing and which is which different gram on the flap margin influence the descent. Long story short, if your flap 
tension on the end of the surgery, on the margin of the mucosa, is under five gram, you will have zero deletions. If it's between, if it's more than five to ten, it's increased to ten to fifteen percent. More than ten gram, you are directly in twenty-five to thirty-five percent of wounds. Means you have to learn the handling of soft tissue. When I was in the Curie clinic, I went to learn bone augmentation, hard tissue, but nobody is knowing how precisely is working Professor Curie with the soft tissue. Amazing. Minutes, minutes, hours. He is minutes thinking before he's cutting, before the surgery. He's not saying nothing. He's only thinking. Then during the management of the soft tissue, volume and vertical. So, and then 10, 15 years later, I saw the zero bone loss concept. I see all the protocols of the soft tissue, the gaining of the soft tissue, vertical, horizontal, what we already did in the concept because we have a stride protocol augmentation implantation and second stage always if you need with soft tissue augmentation different techniques but it's starting you are right with the incision and the incision is the main part of the uh, technique means when you go for a vertical augmentation are you sure you should do a crestal incision or existing other approach which help you to reduce any wound taste and the patient hate complication we also and we are example if you go the study what you, i share with you is 10 10 years follow-up is vertical augmentation with a tunnel approach means you know the tunnel approach for gingiva recession so this is a small area you have to bring your yeah. connective tissue inside think about the same bigger tunnel but for a 30 millimeter vertical augmentation on the maxilla plus the sinus lifting in the same procedure means you make sinus lifting vertical augmentation without a crestal incision. And this stop and pr protect your case for deletions. And so it's important of the subject immense. Fantastic. I mean, just listening to you, it's, it's, it's quite clear that, you know, the experience that you have is uh, incredible. But I will say, um, I, for, uh, so from, from your uh, some question is right. how big is uh, surgery for the patient? This surgery you can do in your dental office. It's my, honestly, you can do it. Because the surgery takes time after the learning comb. One, we are speaking about the standard case in your implant work is horizontal bone augmentation. 70 to 80% of your cases are horizontal bone yes. augmentation. So, let, and everybody is saying, my patient want to have a donor site for bone harvesting. It's bullshit. It's your fear to go in this area. So... How and let's go. In which case you have to open a second a second donor site. First, if you are in the mandible, it's the same area. You go you go to retromolar, like the vesalstum extraction incision. If you can vesalstum extraction, also to me, it's not a matter. You need you need the protocol. It's a, it's the same area, anatomical same area. So if you're in the mandible, you are you are not need a different approach for a donor site. Only if you are in the maxilla, you need a donor site. Okay, this is already. If you have a case in the maxilla, you have to go to the mandible. Or you can go to Tugomatico, tuba, local, palatal. Different site, different areas. Local, you have to stay local. But if you need a full arch reconstruction, half arch reconstruction, yes, you need plates. And the next question is coming here. Yes, one side you can reconstruct full arch? Yes. Why we are using the split bone? We make from one block, two blocks, and you can reconstruct with one side the full arch in the maxilla or the mandible, and the same on the other side. And 
the body of the human is amazing. After one year, harvest again from the same site, again a block. It's not 100% the same. It's 90% the linear oblique extended reconstructed, but you can harvest again. No, this is this is absolutely fascinating, and uh, I agree that you know it's mm-hmm. because when I'm working in the maxilla, I don't bother going to the mandible for bone. The quality of the bone that you can get from the palate is just amazing. It's just absolutely fantastic. I love it. So I think it's, and I also agree with you, Sharif, that you know patients will accept whatever you explain to them, and if in your mind you like biomaterials, you're going to talk them out of having autogenous bone. But similarly, you know, if you believe that autogenous is the best, and it is what everything's kind of like measured up to, particularly the curry plate technique. Now, look, I, there are other there are other clinicians out there doing amazing stuff with biomaterials, but we're specifically talking about autogenous here. You can't deny the results that that Prof Urban gets as well. It's a different philosophy. For me personally, I still prefer the autogenous bone for, because for me, it makes most sense as well. But if you're confident in, in harvesting bone and you explain to the patient the benefits, and the benefits are really simple, that look, we need to rebuild this. And uh, the best way to build uh, rebuild it is taking a little bit of bone from elsewhere in your mouth because it's your own body. Your own body will accept it. You, the, the chances of you having complications is is reduced. And patients will accept that. And it comes down to our comfort level and our ability to perform the procedure. Uh, let's speak about the, the post-operative itself. part for the patient, what sometimes is the objective ob- objections for the colleagues from 10 patients. Eight to nine pati- patients are not using painkiller. One or two patients is using painkiller in the night before they go sleeping for protection. Because everybody's thinking, oh, big swelling will come, yes, but uh, the pain is not like we are thinking. We On the next day, you can order your patient and ask. And we are doing. First time we did it, but no, we are give the appointment for only uh, removal of the suture after 10 to 14 days. So, and then I ask you, did you use the painkiller package? No, it's full. One or two I use only. Why? I don't have pain. A little bit swelling and tension, but this was. This is a fear that the patient say, oh, you, what you did with me. This was also my fear. But I saw amazing, uh, painless, post-operative time. So, and after the learning come up between, after the learning come to harvesting, eight to 12 millime- minutes later, you harvest a block in the size of 25 millimeter to until 40 millimeter. Up this time, you are for the rest of your life as an implantologist, independent from biomaterials, independent from the regeneration potential. Of course, we have smoker. Of course, we have diabetic. We have not the same results. We have five to eight percent less success. But even it's better as to use a death material in a smoker, which you don't need to do. It will be a disaster. And the colleagues which are working with substitutes should be honestly, they are doing bone augmentation with smokers. They are selecting this and show it other results. So we, we are not selecting the patient. We are not selecting patient. We are saying, okay, we will do the same technique like non-smoker. You will get a good result, not the same like a non-smoker. But we are behind our concept. It's not depend from uh, then smoking because if the graft has the potential to overcome this. Yes, we have also day chance, 
but in the range of 1% to 3%. Not the sense, I mean complications. Different reasons, but we can manage and, you know, we help colleagues to learn how you close one day sense safe in the way to avoid it. But better is to have a clear concept in the beginning from the incision, from the augmentation, from the flap design, from placing the blocks. Better is better as to make it treat the, comp- the complication. Because I hate complication. I would, have, I would agree with you, Sharif. Uh, And I think there's something else to add to that as well is my belief that, not my belief, this is what I know from from having done thousands of full arches now, done several hundred full arches, the amount of discomfort pain that a patient experiences, yes, it's partly down to how much pain the patient will tolerate, but a lot of it is down to surgical technique, okay, is if you have got blunt instruments, if you are using one scalpel blade to raise an entire arch flap. If you're very heavy handed, the patient is going to feel significantly more pain than if you're using sharp instruments, multiple blades, and you're very, very gentle with your techniques. What we do by nature is invasive, but it doesn't automatically have to be traumatic. You know, you can use gentle techniques. When I'm sedating patients to have this type of work done, I will use intravenous painkillers and I will use intravenous steroids as well, where appropriate. And you can do some extremely, you can do some really, really big cases and you see the patient for follow-up three or four weeks later, you know, how were you? Yeah, I had a bit of discomfort. It wasn't too bad. It's like, okay, well, I removed every single tooth in your mouth, resectioned some bone, put in 12 implants for you, and you had uh, minimal pain discomfort. I can accept. So I, in fact, I think this should be a, a, another topic in its entirety is, is flat design's important. Your instruments are important. Your techniques are important. If I'm raising a big flap, I will quite happily go through 10 blades as opposed oh, yes. to just using one blade. It's really, really important. Absolutely. And, and, and your time-wasting is with uh, wrong instruments. If the blade is not sharp, you are coming stressed because it's not working. And so uh, this is smaller, of course, but the result is higher. So I also have always five to seven blades on the board, on the table. One one thing more, I got an oral surgery uh, post-education. So means not we are seeing the same result in the hand of dentists, oral surgeon, periodontist, and maxillofacial surgeon also, because it's working. And this is the stay in the protocol or in your full arch cases. It's the same. You have to stay in the protocol. You have to know anatomical region very well. It's the same here in this technique. Every technique you should learn with the right protocol to avoid any problem. And then this is not the problem of the technique. Then is the implementation problem. I see it. So uh, it's possible. And and we see the results is the same. Of course, you have, will have a learning curve. Also in your full arch reconstruction, uh, the right angulations, the right position, all this it's a zumbius of heart and soft tissue. It's just another another arrow in the quiver. It's another tool. It's another part of the armamentarium. There's no one magic bullet. Is You need to understand the protocols. You need to have the skills to implement the protocols. And it's constant life learning. I love to learn. I know that you love to learn as well. I encourage all dentists, every single stage of their career. You know, I have some of my mentors who are absolutely phenomenal right at the end of their career. They still love to learn. They will always have an open mind. That's the way that it should be. Um, that's the way that uh, Prof. Brennermark intended for it to be, that we have to constantly learn, constantly keep our minds open, look for new solutions, and then test the evidence and the science behind it. And, you know, it's... 
that's that's the way that it is. Sharif, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If listeners wanted to find you, what's the best way to find you? Yes, we are on Instagram with our um, Bone Factory Academy. If you search to Bone Factory Sheriff Kuchuk, you will find us our or our website, bonefactory-academy.com. Construction is the next level to be more predictable, to be more safe in horizontal and vertical bone augmentation and soft tissue management. And if you want, uh, I can share our next event. Also, we are coming first time to UK. This is our absolute uh, um, uh, exciting uh, time for me because it's on 9 to 11 June 2023 in uh, Manchester, and yes, we will be happy to be with you. Three-day masterclass, one-day lecture about the Curie technique, and then we dive in directly to the practical part, two days of heart tissue and soft tissue augmentation. I think after the three days, we change your mind forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, folks, you heard Sharifa's Instagram. Look for Bone Factory. Even if you're not ready to get into autogeny, if it worries you, just see the type of work that he does. It's just absolutely stunning to see. It's, it's, you know, the, the regenerative capability of Puri's technique is absolutely fan fantastic. And if they want to see more cases, we have also our international Facebook group uh, called Biological Bone Masters. This is like-minded colleagues. They share their own cases, their own question Q&A and cases, what we did, what the colleague did, that you can see what is possible and you can get more uh, cases what give you an idea to implement in your daily work. With small steps, you can increase your success in Amazing. bone grafting. Perfect. Thank you very much. Okay. So, folks, thank you very much for listening. As I said, it's uh, I will be recording these more often. Uh, I know I keep saying that, but as I said, I, I actually have the time available. Sharif, thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to meeting you again in the near future. Folks, just before I sign off, uh, if anybody is interested in the Academy of Implant Excellence, please do reach out to me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Academy of Implant Excellence. You can uh, message me via the podcast on social media or my personal page, Dr. Pav Kera, and I'd be happy to let you know more about the Academy. So the Academy is a comprehensive course for those uh, wanting uh, hands-on mentoring, optional extra as well, because I've got people at different stages of their career wanting different levels of support and mentoring. So I'm happy to help wherever possible. Thank you very much for your time, everybody. And I will speak to you again soon.